After he was baptized by John, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him high to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So it's our first Sunday in Lent, and there is something about Lent, I don't know what it is, that makes me want to eat lots of ice cream. Um, I think I'm like Pavlov's dog, and whenever I hear the word Lent, I remember all of those years of giving up ice cream, and it just creates this incredible craving in me of ice cream. I realized when I came back from the store the other day, I had three half gallons of that. I was like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But it is this long use of the law, misuse of the law in my life to tell me that Lent means giving this up, right? Giving it up, giving up swearing, taking up running, doing all of these things about me, right? That comes back to me. Instead of the law pushing me toward God, it pushes me toward me, um, is what has been happening to me in my history. So it creates this craving. Um, In fact, as I was writing this sermon, I was eating some caramel cream. It's very good. Um, The world preys upon my insecurities, and some nights ice cream is the best defense I have against the dark arts. And like Dave, resisting temptation is not my forte. Um, Gerhard Ferdy describes one human take on resisting temptation this way. Religiously, we like to look on ourselves as spiritual athletes, desperately trying to make God's team having perhaps a problem or two with the training rules. We have a thirst for glory. The desire, the thirst for glory or wisdom or power or money is never satisfied by the acquisition of what is desired. The more we get, the more we want. This is why I believe my professor Rolf Jacobson said, in a battle between me and the world, I am betting on the world. There is so much to be afraid of in the world, and it seems that this is what makes us insecure. Fear is the very definition of not feeling secure. The news of the spread of the COVID-19 virus and the fear that it's caused in the world's stock markets is a reminder to all of us of what fear can do. You know, in our family, rumors of a pandemic go right down to the DNA level of fear. My grandfather died at 21 years old in the influenza pandemic of 1918. And my grandmother was nine months pregnant with my father at the time. 
and she had to get off the funeral train to have him. So this death event had a generational impact on my family as my grandmother was widowed at 19 years old with two small children. You know, that was 100 years ago, but the story has really taken on mythical proportions in our family in terms of fear. So in our human way, we start with basic information like this, and then our fear makes it grow until we can lose our sense of the reality of faith. Our brains are built to grab fear and run with it, literally. Bill Wilson, one of the founders of AA, wrote that fear is an evil, corroding thread. And the fabric of our existence is shot through with it. Fear is surely a bar to reason and to love. And of course, it invariably powers anger, vainglory, and aggression. It underlies maudlin guilt and paralyzing depression. And Bill Wilson knew much of that as he turned to alcohol because of his fear. So what are you afraid of? You know, whenever my behavior is going off the rails or just getting a little wonky, this is the question that I ask myself, what am I afraid of? Fear of financial failure, fear of abandonment, fear of aging, fear of being alone, fear of pain or illness, fear of death. You know, sometimes with me, it's like a free-floating fear. It doesn't really grab onto one particular thing. It just stirs up all the trash bags of my life. And Lent is a good time to admit that we are fearful and confess our inability to do anything about it on our own. So fear has been with us from the very start. So think about Adam and Eve. They were actually our Old Testament um, reading today and in our Romans reading. They are the subject of... Uh, disaffection for God. They have everything that two humans could want. They have lots of food, um, lots of Sour Patch Kids. They have no need for closets or storage units. They have a hand-picked spouse picked by God for them, plenty of pets and no litter boxes. They live in paradise, for goodness sakes. They get their steps walking around with the Almighty every afternoon. What could they possibly want? What was missing from their life that they were listening to this crafty little snake who introduced them to the distrust of God? And the seed of fear was planted in the garden. So distrust of God, which is the basis of all fear, is a spiritual disease that produces suffering. You know, there's a word in German that captures this feeling that Martin Luther used. I hope you're not German, and I'm going to totally not pronounce this right, but anfechtungen, which is described as the terrifying feeling of being abandoned by God and lost forever. And it is translated into English as temptation. So distrust of God is at the core of temptation, and it is what makes temptation, terrifying. So distrust is also common to our experience with our fellow humans. We trust people with our love, with our future, with our well-being, with our money, with our confidences, our children, our frailties, our vulnerabilities, and then they betray us. And once betrayed, we're tempted never to trust again. 
We are tempted to believe that God is like the humans that we know, but he is not. Is God trustworthy? Will our trust be betrayed and terrify us? So in our gospel today, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Usually this text is used to tell us that we should be like Christ and not give in to temptation. So when that sea salt caramel starts calling to you, just say no is the idea of some of that thinking. But the big news is that we are not Jesus. We cannot face down temptation with our paltry human will and survive. We are too inclined to think only about self, and fear has disordered us this way. We are run by the fear in our lives so that we seek comfort in any form. We may believe there is a God, but we've been told that he will not help us unless we deserve it. And we know we don't deserve it, that we don't deserve grace. Our will is bound up in our insecurities about ourselves. We believe we have to work hard for love. This gets at the core of what it means to be human, that our temptation is to define ourselves by what we have or don't have, rather than through our relationship with God. Dr. David Lose calls us the original insecurity. So in this text in Matthew, Jesus is straight out of his baptism, where God has said, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am pleased. The Spirit immediately drives Jesus into the desert to hear the devil say, if you are the Son of God, if, questioning his identity in God. So this makes me wonder if the devil is maybe voicing our questions about Christ. If you are the Son of God, cure me of this illness. If you are the Son of God, find me a job. If you're the son of God, save my marriage. If you are the son of God, cure my addiction. And what is Christ's answer to these questions? He responds with scripture about God's power and authority over everything. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus knows whose beloved son he is and will not be tempted to distrust the Father, even as it leads to the cross to die for us. So the complete quote from my professor, Rolf Jacobson, is actually, in a battle between me and the world, I am betting on the world. In a battle between the world and Christ, I'm betting on Christ. Because on the cross, he battles the power of sin, death, and the devil on our behalf and overcomes them so that we can be saved. So when it's a battle between me and Rocky Road or coronavirus 19 or my aging future, I am betting on Jesus because he is trustworthy and I am not. Proverbs 3.5 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will guide your paths. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Amen.